everyone, it's Jefferson Graham. You're listening to the iPhone Photo Show, where we talk about all things iPhone photography. And this week, we got a lot of stuff going on in Apple land. My guest on today's show is Rich DeMuro, otherwise known as Rich on Tech. He is a TV reporter for KTLA in Los Angeles. His uh, reports are syndicated all over the country. He also hosts the Rich on Tech radio show. And as an aside, Rich mentioned to me once that he now shoots all of his episodes, all of his reports for KTLA on an iPhone. And I said, really? Come on the show and talk about it. Tell everybody about, you know, what accessories you use with the iPhone and why you do it. And then, of course, uh, coming up next week is the Worldwide Developers Conference from Apple, where they're expected to introduce the new virtual reality headset. And then Final Cut Pro has finally come to the iPad. So we talked about that as well. So we got a lot of stuff going on here. Let's open up with my chat with Rich. Well, just to be clear, we use an iPhone sometimes, not all of the time. And so we have been using it more and more because quite honestly, it's so easy, it's so compact, and we have the choice of wide angle lenses that make life a lot easier. So we don't use it all the time. We still use a standard uh, DSLR cam for our shoots. That's like the standard, but my photographer and I will just come together and say, hey, do you wanna use the iPhone for this one? If we're in the back of a car, if we're in a dynamic situation, if we wanna get really close up to things, uh, the iPhone has proven to be so easy and so simple. Um, do you want me to just go through and show you how we do it with our equipment? Yeah, do that. Okay. All right. So we start with this, an iPhone. <laughs> Very easy. So this is the iPhone that we use and we put it in this. And this is, uh, if you remember the company, Jefferson, Clip. this is their little Clip grip. And so this was a $50 attachment. And what I love about this is that it's really easy to hold and it also flexes into different mounting. So you can have it like this. And it's just it just makes the iPhone a lot easier to hold and grip and maneuver. And so we do use that. If you notice, we use a, a different grip at the top. It's called the Joby. And so that just attaches on the, uh, the, the little screw area here. So we just screw that on and that's it. So there's the, the phone setup. Now, when it comes to microphones, we use a couple of things. We use these, let me grab, this is the uh, receiver. So this is the Rode Wireless 2 Go. And so this is the receiver, and this actually clips onto the top of the camera. And then it connects to the camera like this. I know this is very compelling television, uh, but this just plugs right in here. So you plug it into the lightning port and then you plug this into here. And what you've got here now is the receiver and then you have the mic transponder. So this is the transponder that you clip onto the person that you're interviewing. So you can clip this on right here like that. Well, maybe a little bit higher so you can see it. There you go. So like that. Now that's, that's pretty ugly. So we don't actually do that. We will either hide this or there is a cable that you could put a lav attachment onto that. So that's how we'll do that. But what's neat about these Rode uh, wireless mics is that they record in two ways. So they record into themselves 
and then it also sends the audio direct into the file. So you've got embedded audio, and if there's a problem, like we've had in the past where the audio didn't record, you can then retrieve the audio from these. So it's kind of a one-two punch. And these are fantastic. We have really had minimal problems with them, and they're just so great. Now, the second part of that is this. Okay. So Rode makes a stick mic. And so that same little microphone that I showed you that clips right here, slides into this little attachment here. And now you have a stick mic, which obviously looks kind of weird if you're using it like that. So we do that and we put that on top. But as you can see, it's got the Rode branding, which of course we don't want to show on TV because Rode is not sponsoring us. So we pop that off and we pop this little bad boy on from Sweetwater that Jefferson, you uh, clued me into. And although it doesn't fit perfectly, if you look at it from the side, it's kind of squished and weird looking, but on TV, it looks just fine. You would never notice that it's more oblong than it is wide. And that's how we interview people. And this thing works in every situation you could ever imagine. It is so clear. It gets the audio. It is amazing. And then by the way, we slip this on when we really want to brand things up. And now we've got Rich on Tech for both TV and the radio show. It's and we should just mention that people, uh, when you're out there doing stories, you'd like to have a stick mic because otherwise you're just sticking mics on people all the time and it gets awkward, right? You know, um, we use a combination of both. Sometimes we, if we're doing like a longer form interview, we will definitely use the, the lavalier mic. But if we're doing a run and gun situation where we're at some sort of expo or it's loud, uh, this works really well because you can get it right up close to their face and make sure you get that great audio. And it's very easy to just put into people's faces and not have to do a lot of legwork to get that attached and, and clipped onto their you know, lapel. Okay, so it's just that. It's your, it's your, um, your Joby little handheld thing and your mics, that's it. No, no that, gimbal? No, right. we never use a gimbal. Uh, I, I actually am not a fan of gimbals. I think that they're more work than they're worth. Um, I have been around the world with this setup. We have shot in so many different locations and situations, and it seems to work. The iPhone has extremely good stabilization built in. It is perfect. Um, so we have not used a gimbal. We don't need it. Uh, I think that it just adds another layer of complexity to the situation that we don't really need. Now, uh, once we've got the video, well, let me show you one more thing that we use. So this is what we used to use. We no longer use this because there's almost never a reason for it. But this is our Tascam. And so this is a microphone, very similar to what I was showing you, except um, it just records into itself. So there's a little SD card into this guy and it records into itself. Now the nice part about this is that, um, well the, the downside is that you have to sync up the audio later. So when you're recording, you can record with your phone, and then you can have this as the mic. You can do this anywhere without any setup. So nothing needs to be attached to your phone. And then what you do is you take the video from here, you take the audio from here, and then you use Final Cut or another video program to sync them up. And the nice part about this, and I'll have a, a card here, but the nice part about this is that it uses a card. So it's very easy to just pop this card out, hand it to your photographer, or your, you know, pop it into your computer and edit that way. Whereas with these guys, um, you do have to connect them with a USB-C cable. So I always keep one of those as well. So you connect that to your computer using this. 
Yeah, so. but when you do it on the road, you don't know that you recorded. You, you, you hope that you recorded. You don't know if you have enough room. There's no messaging to tell you you're out of room. That's why what you're doing on the card is a good save. Yes, exactly. So you always want um, you always want two of whatever you're doing because you never know with these new setups. You're not really monitoring the audio like the old days. I mean, you could, but it's it, you know you're just not doing it as much as you used to. So that's that. Um, and then of course we have like one of these little things. I always keep this with a bunch of different cards on it. I picked this up in Japan. I actually picked up two of these. I gave one to my photographer, and I'm not kidding. Love the guy. He lost it before he even put it away in his backpack. I don't know. We, to this day, laugh about it because I, I handed it to him. I said, Luis, here you go. I got you one. And by the time he put it in his pocket, somehow it disappeared. So I only have this one and it really is great. But there's a mystery of somewhere in Japan, there's one of these laying around on the floor. Uh, the other thing that we'd use is this. So uh, what happens is at the end of the shoot, you want to give all the video to your photographer. So it's all trapped on this phone right here. So there's a couple things you can do. First off, you can use this little device. So this is a mic, this is a uh, SD card reader that connects to Lightning. So you can plug that into the iPhone and then transfer all of the video that you just captured onto the SD card and then hand it to your photographer. And then they can go and edit it. Um, the transfer rate is extremely slow from the iPhone via Lightning to the SD card. So that is not the best option. The other option is that you can airdrop the video from the phone to a computer and then transfer it to this little USB-C drive. Uh, this is a PNY one that I really like. It's 128 gigabytes. It's got USB-C on one side and uh, USB, or sorry, it's got USB on one side, I believe that's USB-A if they call it that, and then USB-C on this side. So you can plug this into your computer either way, no matter which uh, type of USB slot you have. That also supports an Android phone, so if you wanna transfer things to Android. I know, are we getting in the weeds here? You asked how we do this stuff on the road, Jefferson. You asked the question, I'm telling you. I airdrop everything, I just, uh, that's that's my method. I just, uh, I, I, you know, it's just, but we that's can, the way I like to do it. We can, you know, we can shoot six gigs in a, in a, you know, in a shoot for our, you know, segment. So it could be a lot. But AirDrop, AirDrop is usually pretty good. It's usually very reliable. It could just take a while. And sometimes, you know, AirDrop doesn't give you the best like indicator of what's happening. It's kind of like a little circle that's filling, and it's not like you can see exactly what's happening. I guess on the on the receiving side, you can. And Yellow Production says that's a neat thumb drive. Yes, I agree. And we put it on a nice keychain we got at the Electric uh, Expo because, you know, these things can really easily find their way. Well, the next thing that you have to do with your uh, footage is you have to edit it. And uh, Final Cut, finally, after all these years, I think it's 15, no, 11 years. Over has, has oh, Yeah, okay. over 11. Well, um, Final Cut 10 came out in 2011. So, okay. so 12 years. And now it's finally available on the iPad. Um, I'm not a fan, but Rich is. Let's start with Rich telling you why. Uh, it's amazing. It's on the iPad. It's uh, very similar to the editing style that you get on the full desktop. It has transitions. Uh, the touch is super easy to use. I'm not a big fan of the jog wheel. I don't really need that for my edits. I usually kind of, 
I mean, maybe I would if I was doing more precise. I guess I didn't edit a full package on there. I'd have to see. I was doing more like Instagram stuff. For Instagram stuff, I don't need to be precise. It's basically just moving, you know, just taking the clip and kind of pulling the sides in. And that's very simple to do on there. I love the live drawing feature where you can use the Apple Pencil to draw live and it animates the text. That is incredible. Um, everything is very smooth and very fast and very simple. I, I did not have good luck with the scene removal, which lets you replace the background uh, without a green screen um, with any background that you want. That did not work very well for me. Um, but I know I've seen on Instagram and Reels and uh, TikTok people, it doesn't matter the backgrounds when they replace them are kind of jittery anyway. So I guess maybe that's just what people have come to expect with that feature. I think the $5 a month is very reasonable, even though I know a lot of people are concerned about the fact that it has not now gone subscription for this program. I know people just want to buy it, but that's not the way of the world when it comes to apps. I don't think there's any app on the iPhone anymore that comes out that's a one-time purchase. It's just not the way they want to do business. Um, the downside is that it does not work with all formats and you have to get your footage into the app, which can be kind of bulky compared to a desktop. Personally, myself, I can't switch to this because we use a format um, for TV that is a broadcast proprietary format that is just not handled by the iPad. And it's just, until I can figure out a way around that, I can't use this for my daily, which I would love to, by the way. I'd love to ditch my laptop and use the iPad for everything, because when you travel, you want that iPad. It'd be so nice to be able to download Netflix and all that stuff to the iPad and go from business to just kind of relaxing at the end of the day, but or on the plane, and that's just not gonna happen right now. Okay, so my downside starts with the pain of getting footage into the iPad. You can't connect a hard drive. And if you can, I, I, I haven't made it work. I, other people apparently have made it work. But my footage lives on hard drives. You know, I put all the material together and I edit from a folder. Um, tomorrow's episode of PhotoWalks TV takes place in Morrow Bay. I've got the iPhone 13 folder and the GoPro folder and the Insta360 folder and, and, then I put, and then my stills folders and my video folders. So, that, you know, put them all together. So I can't really do that on the iPad. Plus, I have not been able to get used to editing with my fingers. You got to try the Apple Pencil. Did you try the Apple Pencil? Didn't try it yet. Okay. Apple Pencil gives you a little bit more, um, you know, uh, what's the word? Control over what you're trying to do. I think that um, the number one feature I turned off, I know Apple's promoting it, but the Apple Pencil with the M2 chip actually lets you hover over and you don't actually have to touch the iPad and it can still control what's happening on the screen. I do not like that feature. You can turn it off in the Apple Pencil settings. Um, that could, for some people, that could be easier to use. It could be nicer. Um, but I think with the Apple Pencil, the, the, the flow is really nice because you kind of press on the end, you move it, you drag it. It's pretty precise. It works pretty well. Now, Jefferson, I've spent a lot of time editing on Splice on the iPhone, and so I've used my thumb to edit a lot and my finger, and so I'm kind of used to that workflow. I think if you haven't done that, and I'd be curious if you have, then I could see how this could be a total departure from you know editing on the computer on the keyboard. I'm a you know JK spacebar kind of edit guy. You know I O JK spacebar is my entire life on the edit on the uh, you know desktop. And that is definitely not there on the iPad for sure. 
Yeah. Um, you know, I, I edit every day on the iPad. I've been doing it for 12 years. I'm sorry. I edit every day on, on Final Cut on the, on the MacBook. And I've been doing it for 12 years. And I'm very comfortable with it. So it's a different way of looking at editing. Um, and speaking of a different way of looking at the world, WWDC, Monday, Apple is expected to introduce a $3,000 virtual reality headset that many people are scratching their heads. They don't, they're not getting it. Uh, we'll see if Apple convinces us. Are you walking into WWC, Rich DeMiro, for Monday, scratching your head? Or where are you on this? No, I mean, it's Apple. They're going to do it. They're going to do it better than anyone's done it before. And I've already looked through the technology that they're going to use for the headset. So when I was at the display uh, display expo in downtown LA last week, there was a company, BOE, showing off a 1.3 inch 4K OLED, uh, micro OLED display, which is what's rumored to be powering the Apple headset. And when I looked through that, Jefferson, it was the clearest vision I've ever seen of a H or a 4K headset and, and in a small display. And so if that is what's powering Apple's headset, this is going to be remarkably clear, remarkably bright, and simply incredible. And it will allow us to do things that we have not been able to do in a virtual reality headset. Um, $3,000 is a lot, but People are used to spending a lot of money at Apple. You walk in for that $800 iPhone and somehow you walk out spending $1,500 by the time you get the, the plan and the case and the screen protector and the financing. And so um, people are very used to spending large amounts of money at Apple. You buy a laptop, same thing, it's very expensive. You buy an iPad, it's very expensive. So I think um, you know the price is definitely high for this device. I don't think they're gonna sell a ton of them right off the bat but I think they are going to move the mark in the industry and set a new standard once again. And by the way, it's Apple. They have the support of the most robust developers worldwide, and they have the money to support that. They've got the app store and the ecosystem to support that. So are they expecting to sell millions of these day one? I don't think so, but are they expected to start this just like the Apple Watch where this is a new line and the Apple Watch, by the way, is going on what, 10 years old at this point, uh, seven years old, whatever it is, it's been a while. And it's just one of those products now that is a tent pole of Apple's business. And it's not going anywhere anytime soon. This is the start for the new VR headset. Yeah, now Apple has the Apple stores. Nobody else has the Apple stores. And uh, was it hundreds of thousands of people walk into these stores every day? And they have a platform to sell that is unrivaled, that no other company has. I mean, they, they, get, more, you know, they get more people than going to Best Buy, I think so. And it's certainly, it's focused. It's totally focused. Um, we don't know that it's going to cost $3,000. That has been what the uh, a bunch of analysts have, have speculated. They could surprise people. Maybe it's 2500 Maybe it's 2000 who knows? Uh, I just don't see wearing goggles as a mass market item. Uh, certainly not now. Uh, all the other products have not done really well. This is a gaming product, right? Primarily. Do you see it going beyond gaming, Rich? Um, I think the number, I mean, look, Apple has so many synergies going on. You've got gaming is an easy one. Apple Arcade, you've got 100 games off the bat that you can play inside this headset for five bucks a month or included, whatever. Uh, that's number one. Then you've got whatever 
operating system they're developing that's going to have things like FaceTime built in and all of the other things that you can do on an iPhone, but sort of in this screen. Um, and then you have movies and TV, and that's a huge part of what Apple is pushing right now. So the fact that you can watch um, movies inside this headset on an airplane or at home on the best screen you've ever seen in your life, that's also going to be very impressive if they have Netflix on board and all these other, well, they're kind of frenemies with Netflix, so we'll see. But on the flip side, Netflix needs some friends right now because growth has stalled there, so this is a new growth area for them. I would 100% put this headset on on an airplane and watch an amazing movie and make my flight go by like that. That is one use case scenario that we have not seen in a big way yet with these other headsets because they're just too bulky. They're not very comfortable to wear for a long period of time. And I did test watching a movie on a plane. I got maybe 15, 20 minutes in and I just couldn't deal with it. And of course, everyone was laughing, I'm sure, because I look <laughs> like a weirdo. Who cares? Your headset was on. Who right? cares? I, I couldn't um, tell. I've never been able to go longer than 10 minutes wearing a headset. That's why the idea of wearing one of these for two hours so I, I can't imagine it. But the clarity is going to be much better. And of course, it's Apple. So they have done the engineering to a, a number, uh, a level that nobody's ever done before. It's going to be comfortable because the battery is supposedly shifted to the, uh, the waist. And so when you don't have a battery on your headset, it's going to be a lot more comfortable. It's going to be a lot more convenient. So I think just that aspect right there is going to be pretty good. And combined with what I saw in that micro LED, uh, OLED display, it was so clear. It was just a pleasure to look at. So it was not like the Oculus where it looks fine, but you can see the individual pixels and it's just fine. It was just, it's a stopgap. What Apple's going to introduce is of course going to be much better and it will set new standards for this technology. And this is just year one. And we will continue to see this. They may not update this every year. Maybe this is an every other year kind of update, but we'll see. And you're, you're right, they do have the stores that will be incredible in helping to demo this technology and perhaps sell it or at least get it on the radar. Okay, let's encourage folks to submit some questions. We've got about eight more minutes here with Rich, who has to go back to work. Um, Rich, what do you think there's any uh, photography uh, component to this headset? Any, anything we'll be doing with taking pictures or shooting video or anything? I don't think so. I don't think the cameras on this headset will be good enough to do that. I think they're mostly just for um, situational awareness and augmented reality. There may be some sort of, I mean, Apple has built into every one of their products uh, the ability to screenshot. So there may be some sort of screenshot ability where you can take a look at a mountain and it'll label what the mountaintop is and you can take a screenshot of that. I don't think there'd be much use right now for um, video that you could use or capture from here or photos. If anything, they'll be very rudimentary, I think, at least for the start, maybe later on, it'd be better. Um, but you know, there probably could be some screen capturing for showing people what you're seeing inside this headset. But um, I think viewing pictures inside this headset will be incredible. So reliving your family memories will be absolutely, I mean, Jefferson, when I tell you when I look through this, and you can check this out on my Instagram, at Rich on Tech, um, if you look at the video that is labeled, um, let's see, where is it? Uh, it looks like a, a, almost like a peephole, like a, a glass. It's, it's this one right here. So if you, if you check, where is it? That one out right there and you tap that. I mean, this was, oh, of course. Hollywood Boulevard. 
No. That's not it. No. This is it. So if you see this, this is what it looked like when you went through it. So you look up to this glass wow. and it is just incredible inside. I mean, the clearest thing I've ever seen inside um, a, a little micro display like that. I mean, it really was incredible. So when I see that, I will sit there and gladly sift through my pictures and watch videos and just be immersed in this technology. I can't wait. Okay, and of course you'll be there on Monday uh, doing uh, some a whole bunch of reports. iOS 17 is the thing I always look like because it gives you a sneak peek of what the next iPhone is going to look like. Um, any thoughts on iOS 17 and what we might see? You know what? I have not read any of the rumors about iOS 17 at all, except for the fact that you'll be able to dock your phone or your iPad and turn it into a smart display, which I think is a brilliant idea. Um, I hope they come out. Well, they'll probably leave it up to third parties, perhaps, to do a dock for the iPad. But that is going to be a game changer because these iPads sit unused all day long. And when you need them, they're not charged. And so Google is onto something with the Pixel tablet where it will sit on a dock that's magnetic and charge this thing continuously. That has been a sorely missing feature on the iPad for many years. So if I can pop this iPad into a dock and it will charge this wirelessly or not with some sort of adapter or you know it has to go in um, uh, landscape or portrait mode rather, that'll be a game changer. That'll be really, really nice to be able to display my pictures on there. Of course, it won't be Google Photos because Apple and Google you know, frenemies once again. Apple is just frenemies with everyone. Everyone loves Apple because they have to because it's this big behemoth company that commands the industry. But where's my Google Photos for the Apple TV? I mean, come on. Google Photos is a program that is loved by so many. There is no app for Apple TV that makes zero sense. I don't even no, think there's an app Apple for Photos. Roku. It has to be Apple Photos. It has right? to be Apple Photos. Why? Where's my app for, for Amazon? All of these tech companies have become frenemies because they understand that by controlling this market, they control what accessories and devices people buy. And that is not good for the end consumer. It used to be Jefferson, and you've been covering this stuff for a long time. It used to be the name of the game was everyone worked together. When you had a phone, it would do everything that all these companies wanted to latch in and help you use that to the to the best of its extent. You know, when you had these programs, and we talked about this this morning when I tried to share this Substack note that you sent me in it, you know, Twitter was miraculously gone because now we can't share Substack to Twitter. Why not? When Substack first came out, Twitter was a huge growth area for that company. But these companies, they get very... Um, very turf worry with their with their solutions and it's really not benefiting the consumer in any way shape or form because consumers have to make really hard choices about what works with the stuff that they purchase and I am very very disappointed in yeah. that. Yeah, well let's talk about photos. I'd love to know how you back up your photos. How you, I, I know you're very active on Instagram, but but you you know for saving your photos, where is the Demuro archive? It is all on Google Photos. I have used it since day one. I've got uh, almost three terabytes of photos in there. I pay them, I think it's 50 bucks a month. I, it's whatever it is, it's a lot. And um, I will be completely honest, I need to get a backup of my Google Photos backup because right now Google Photos, again, they used to play nice um, and you would be able to tap into your photo collection and save it somewhere else. They no longer allow that. Um, they allow a takeout, which is not very nice. But I will tell you, Jefferson, here's my idea, not just for Google Photos, but for Apple Photos as well. These companies need to work with Western Digital or SanDisk. 
And you need to be able to go to Costco, buy a drive that has the Google Photos logo on it, the Apple Photos logo, or any other company that you work with where you save photos, and you can connect that drive to Wi-Fi, you plug that drive in, and all day long, what is it doing? It is 100% backing up every single thing that's in the cloud, it is mirrored on that drive. It's not gonna put Google out of business, it's not gonna put Apple Photos out of business, but it's gonna actually make people use these platforms more because they know that if something goes wrong with Apple or something goes wrong with Google or they mistakenly erase their entire system, they've got a snapshot of a backup on this little hard drive that they may never have to use ever in their lives, but at least it's there. It'll sell a lot of hard drives, it'll sell a lot of cloud storage space because it'll make people feel at ease. That's a free, billion dollar idea for every company that does photo storage. Okay, and my idea for you is that you should have a hard drive on your desk that all the photos go onto and then go to Google Drive or the other way around, whatever way you wanna do it, but you should be backing up everything uh, three ways. Right? I know, I know. It's a one, two, three backup. And right now I've got the one, two backup. I need to do the third. And um, I, I, I will admit as, as every lay consumer out there, this stuff is complicated and it takes time and it's it's a lot. And if you don't have that system going, it's tough to get into it. I need to sit down on a weekend and back up my three terabytes of photos or download them from Google Takeout. But what they do is they give you 50 uh, five gigabyte files or something like that. That's insane. What are you showing me there? SanDisk. Right. That, that's, that's two terabyte, $200 SSD. So just buy two of them. I've got my five gig, uh, five terabyte hard drive. It's there. I bought it already. It's just I've not implemented the backup yet because it takes so long. But you know what? We'll see yeah. if I can do it. I'll maybe do it today. And my other concern happy. about you backing up everything on Google Photos is that they they lower the resolution on every one of your pictures. No, no, no. I pay for the I pay for the full res. So. Oh, good. Okay. Now they did back in the day and I did, they used to have a, a photo saver back, you know, Google photos when it first came out, the promise was free. And of course these, again, they changed, they, this is tech companies. They just, they just switch gears all the time. Um, and so I did back in the day, squish a lot of files to compress them, uh, using their free photo saver backup option. And I do regret that, but what are you going to do? Okay, well, your stuff on Instagram is amazing. Uh, actually, before you go, your videos that you make, you make all those videos, that's using Splice? Uh, well, it's a combination. It's Sometimes it's Splice, sometimes it's nothing, and sometimes it's Final Cut. It just depends how I'm feeling that day. But a majority of them are done on Splice, which is probably the best video editing program for the iPhone. Um, CapCut is a simple free program. It's owned by TikTok, so take it as you will. Um, you can also use iMovie, but I, I find that I don't really like that as much. Yeah, I, I added actually directly into Instagram, uh, but it's just, that's just oh, putting clips together. That's yeah. that's like the toughest way to do it. So you are a um, you're you're really making it tough for yourself. Okay, well I'll, you I'll can check do out, it. I'll check out Splice again. Uh, everybody, check out Rich's amazing work. Instagram at Rich on Tech Radio Show every Saturday. Right, Rich on Tech on the radio and KFI, but you know your listeners are worldwide and your viewers. So uh, download the podcast. Just search Rich on Tech in your favorite audio app, and uh, you can find my podcast there. And of course, you can watch him on KTLA TV and in uh, many other TV stations as well because the stuff is syndicated. Correct? Yes, and I'm in a real studio for that. <laughs> this <laughs> it, it, this is you know you got me in my in my home. So it uh, you know this is. Uh, 
Okay, well, it looks good. Rich DeMuro, thank you so much. I'm Jefferson Graham. Thanks for tuning in, and we will catch you on the next one. Bye-bye.